0: 1759. Live from San Francisco on the Sports
1: Byline Broadcasting Network, you are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with your hosts, Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on! How's it going, everybody? Brian
2: Alvarez here on Wrestling Observer Live. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, Sunday, 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. We got a lot of news to get into today. It is Wednesday on this program, and you know what that means, or at least you know what that usually means. Usually that means we got AEW tonight, but we do not. AEW airs on Saturday, Dynamite Saturday, Rampage is always on Friday, NXT 2.0 last night. I've watched an hour of the show. I'll watch the other hour later, but I think the most noteworthy thing on the show was on the portion of the show that I watched, so I'll talk about that here in a moment. But tomorrow, Thursday, is WWE's biggest show of the year. Yes, it is their biggest show of the year, Crown Jewel. Obviously, in terms of name recognition, in terms of all of that, WrestleMania would be the biggest show of the year. But WrestleMania airs on Peacock. And WWE is going to make the money off the ticket sales and, and that sort of thing. But they will what they will not be making for WrestleMania is somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to $60 million from the Saudi government. Crown Jewel, the most lucrative WWE show of the year. We've got the full lineup for the show. And sometimes you look at these Crown Jewel lineups and it's like, eh, whatever. Now, this is actually a pretty stacked lineup. This would be a WrestleMania-caliber lineup. And so we'll tell you about that here today. We've also got the G1 Climax Tournament Finals. The show takes place late tonight, if I've got my math right. And if you listened to the Filthy Tom Lawler show yesterday, there's a very good chance I don't have my math right. But we'll tell you about that, as well as the lineup for the NXT 2.0 Halloween Havoc show next week. We got RAW ratings, record low number in 18 to 49 because i'm not sure if you're aware of this or not but they've never had competition with the nfl before lots to get into back in a moment of live
1: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
2: Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. Got a lot to talk about here today. I've seen an hour so far of NXT 2.0. Watch the rest of it tonight before the uh, Wrestling Observer Radio show. We can talk more about it tomorrow. Although tomorrow, I think we'll be talking a lot about Crown Jewel. The show is scheduled to air from noon to 3, which means it would end right before we go on the air. Very nice of them to uh, arrange the show around our schedule. But in the past, the show has run long. So my guess is we might be able to talk about the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar match as we are, you know, doing the whole uh, shebang here. But, first story today, forget about all this wrestling crap and numbers and everything like that. Important thing is is whether people are okay. And last night, if you did not see the NXT 2.0 show, there was a three-way match, which is setting up a three-way tag team match at the Halloween Havoc show. And it was Io Shirai, Persia Parada, and JC Jane. And, uh... This was rough because I presume that they had a whole three-way planned. And as it turned out, this ended up being a one-on-one match, which I would presume Persia Parada was not prepared for. But what happened was J.C. Jane did a tope and did the old feet, got caught on the ropes, and she just went straight down towards her head. And she landed right in her head. And I think it was Persia Parada immediately, like, jumped over to make sure that she was okay. And she got up, and they both caught Io Shirai on a moonsault off the top rope to the floor. And then uh, Persia ended up back in the ring. And then they keep going, and we never saw J.C. Jane again. And she left on her own, which was uh, presumably good. But, of course, what's important is what happens in the examination. And what I was told today was they did a, a full CT scan... And it came out okay. So it appears that she is going to be all right. So I don't know if that means she'll be back for the uh, the three-way tag match next week. or uh, I mean, she doesn't even need to be in the match because uh, it's uh, – uh, you could do – actually, I know she would have to be in the ro- uh, in the match because Manny Rose is, is uh, wrestling for the title. So anyway, I guess we'll see what happens next week. Uh, CT scan coming out clean is good. But that doesn't necessarily mean that she should be right back into action. So best wishes to J.C. Jane. Thankfully, she will be
4: okay. Did you see this whole show, Mike? I haven't seen any of the show yet. Oh! No, I've only seen clips. With The way we've been reviewing it, mostly on uh, on Thursdays, I decided, okay, I give myself a little bit of time here. So I saw the results, I saw what happened, but I haven't visualized the show yet. Well, what I would say about the show is that... The first
2: week, it was, like, kind of exciting and wacky. And then we had a couple of weeks where it was, like, horrible. And part of the reason it was horrible was just all these people. It's like, who is this guy? Who is that guy? They're not ready to have these matches and everything like that. But we seem to have settled into a kind of a a groove where the show is— and granted, I have not seen the second hour— but I mean you had Chomp and Ron Breaker in the main event. So I'd I presume that was all right. Even though it's the same story for every tag team in all of WWE. Can they coexist? It's like they have one story. Biggest wrestling promotion on the planet Earth and they got like one story for tag teams. But anyway. My takeaway is that the show the show's fine. It's not good. It's not really that bad. It just exists. And the thing that I got out of the first hour of this show, besides the J.C. Jane injury, is, uh, is they had a, a segment with Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. They they meet out on the trail, and Von Wagner says, Where we're going, you don't need a bike. They're going back to the future in the woods. So I figured they'd be go out looking for uh, Brian Laundrie, because that's in the news today. <laughs> But instead, they're out there training, and Von Wagner's having him do squats with wood, and and they chop wood, and then, like, literally, they're out there training in Storyline all day. They're chopping wood, and they're lifting wood, and then it's, it's nighttime, and they, there's a campfire, and Von <laughs> Wagner says, I got one more thing for you, brother, and he pulls out a long-neck bottle of beer, and he goes, we're going to do some 12-ounce curls. Kyle Kyle Riley's like, ah, this sounds awesome, and they drink together. It was campy, but I liked it. But the point is, of all of this, I watched that, and then I watched a match with uh, Imperium versus the Creed Brothers. This is where I really started thinking about it. And here's the conclusion I have come to. Because I like the talent. Even if they're not really good at wrestling. So there's the main roster, and then there's... NXT, okay. Now, but when it was NXT 1.0, I thought, dude, can we like send some of the main roster people that aren't doing anything but are good down to NXT? Because like we keep bringing people up, but like nobody goes down. And what they need is is some people going down. Let's freshen up this this NXT 1.0. But they didn't. And uh, you know, Finn Balor went down there for a while. And Tyler Breeze and Fandango, but in general, it was like it was a rare occurrence with a with a small, very very small group of people. And one of the reasons for that was, well, there's main roster money, and there's NXT money. Even though NXT is on national television, even though neither NXT nor the main roster were touring, you made more money on the main roster by a lot than you would make down there in NXT. So now it's NXT 2.0, and if you watch the show, I mean, this ain't even NXT 1.0. I mean, this is totally the developmental brand. So if you're looking at it from the perspective of before, like, there's no way they should be sending people down there making main roster money working in NXT 2.0. But if you watch that Imperium versus Creed Brothers match, let me tell you something. These good workers that are still down there in developmental, they deserve main roster money, Okay. Because their job is to be thrown around and risk their life with these very, very green wrestlers. And a Kyle O'Reilly still making developmental money. What is is Kyle O'Reilly's role? What is Gargano's role? What is Ciampa's role? What is Imperium's role? Their role is to try to teach the next generation how to be good wrestlers by risking their lives. So I watched his show and I thought, man... Kyle should be making six, like mid six figures or whatever they're making on the main roster. And don't even tell me they can't afford it. I see how much this company makes every year. And the point of developmental is to develop the people that are going to carry the main roster. So these O'Reillys and Chompas and Imperiums and all these people, they should be making. $300,000 a year to go down there and teach these guys how to work and risk their lives in the ri- dude I like the Creed brothers squashing blokes but man they're throwing around imperium and they're doing these suplexes and they're landing high on their heads and then they're throwing them and they land in the ropes and I'm like my god if you're being de- if you're being paid developmental money for that like quit anyway pay them more that's all
4: i'm asking you can afford it trust me you can afford it I'm all poor for paying people more, you know, and it's, it's crazy to see those guys down there doing what they're doing. But, uh, my big question actually to rewind back, why is Von Wagner the new upstart teaching Kyle O'Reilly the ropes? Why is he the Sergeant Slaughter to Kyle O'Reilly's great Ganya as he tries to get him ready and take him out there into the woods and, and make him a man or whatever the hell is going on there? How did Von Wagner take the lead in this relationship? Well, he's big. Are you kidding me? You threatened him with a headbutt. I mean, let's listen.
2: Let's think about this. What is more up WWE's alley? We got a we got a Kyle O'Reilly and a Von Wagner. So your options are: Kyle is going to take Von Wagner to a local MMA training facility to get him ready to be a tag team, or
4: Von Wagner is going to take him out in the woods and squat Dude, logs from how that thing sounded I'm surprised Briggs and Jensen didn't show up at the end with the cooler to give him the beers it's uh, it doesn't sound like cool Kyle scene but who knows in this new world of NXT he ain't cool Kyle anymore he's just Kyle O'Reilly now back in a moment observer live
0: 800-754-4531 800-306-1760. 800-306-1760. 800-306-1760, that's eight hundred three zero six seventeen sixty. 1760
1: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network.
2: Back in the show, Brian Elber is here, Wrestling Observer Live. Uh, Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. Guess we should do Raw ratings. Talk about Crown Jewel afterwards. Competition from both Monday Night Football and Major League Baseball. Raw did its lowest 18-49 number in history last night. Show averaged 1.59 million viewers. It drew a.39. An eighteen to forty-nine, a.22, in eighteen to thirty-four. NFL game with the Tennessee Titans versus the Buffalo Bills. Averaged 12.53 million viewers, 4.06 in 18 to 49. Boston Red Sox versus Houston Astros, 3.54 million and 8.79. Raw was down 7% in 18 to 49. And uh, there you go. Obviously, the competition played a part in this. But uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but. They've they've faced this competition before. Mm. Anytime you do a record low in the history of a show that's been on the air since like 1991, I mean, that's not good.
4: It ain't all somebody else's fault, is what you're saying.
2: Well, obviously not. I mean, first...
4: 1.6 million people, 998,000 of the 1.592 million people over the age of 50.
2: Well, yeah, there's a lot of old people watching this show right now. Hour 1, uh, 1 1.58 million, I'm sorry. 1.58, not 8.5, 1.58 million. Hour 2, 1.62 million. Hour 3, 1.58 million. So not good, but not... It was not unexpected that they would be badly affected by the competition. But again, it is an all-time record low... And this really was a show that has had, what, 1,500 episodes now? What are they at? Whatever it is.
4: Well, and here's the thing with me, Brian, on this, and this is just all I'll say about it, is two things can be true because one thing that people will say is, well, when you take out everything related to Monday Night Football, which was one through four and number six, when you take out baseball because, you know, live sports, this is why live sports is so valuable and why they get the money that they're doing, they were number five on cable. And then right after that, that's where WWE was. It's still the number one show that's not news. It's still the number one show on cable. You're right about that. You're absolutely right. That is an undisputable point. It was the number one show for all three of those hours. But what is also true is when you look at the demos, when you look at the interest, when you look at the feedback, when you look at all of these other metrics involved, you can plant your flag in this and say, see, AEW wishes they had these numbers. Look, we're still number one. And you'd be right about that. And you'd also be sticking your finger in the hole to try to shore up the leak while all of this other water is pouring in. So it's great if you want to bring that up, but you are not allowed to bring that up without at least having the other side of it and having some balance to what you're saying. Because, again, you can say all these, we're still number one, we're still number one. You're atrophying at a hell of a pace. That is for sure. 18 to 34, 156,000 people. If, If football wasn't on, if baseball wasn't on, would that number have been better? Yes, it would. It's also been a number for them that's been atrophying for a long time. And here's the thing about the 18 to 34 demographic, at least in my eyes. After A lot of people are wrestling fans into college, into their their trying to start a family. If you have somebody that's not supportive of your wrestling and you're kind of like on the border of being a fan, your interest can be taken to other places very quickly. You have kids. You have all these other things that go on. seems to be by the time you're 34, if you're still a wrestling fan, they're going to be able to count on you for a long, long time. And that's the biggest problem with that number falling in the way that it is and the interest level falling out the way that it is for WWE. You're relying on 50-year-olds. There's a whole bunch of people right now that are not WWE fans (laughs) and that are not growing to be WWE fans. And they're not interested in sticking with your product in the same way that it seems that ADW's fans are trending and how they're treating them. We'll have to see how that goes, but you know I know we're going to hear well, it's still the number one show on cable, yeah, if you want to ignore everything else that seems to be happening. well
2: it's it's the number one show on cable if you take those things out and you go by eighteen to forty nine which was the big thing over the last week that everybody wanted to talk about how it doesn't the demos everyone's always in the demos now it's all about total viewers. You can think whatever you want, and i honestly, I don't care, but the fact of the matter is. Look at the total number of viewers that WWE had in for example 1999. Between between WWF and WCW there was 11 million viewers watching pro wrestling at least. WWE had 6 million viewers watching their show. Now they have fallen and 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 fallen. And, fallen and, fallen. and we're down to 1.58 million viewers, okay? Why If they have gone from 6 million to 1.5 million, was their last television deal their biggest and most lucrative television deal of all time? Because despite the fact that they fell from 6 to 1.5, they're still doing well enough in 1849 that they are often 1, 2, and 3. Because when it comes time to sign a new television deal, it is not just one demo, obviously it depends on it depends on who wants to buy what but the most important demo remains 18 to 49 for wwe and for AEW and if you want to argue from now until 2023 that AEW is failing because they have less total viewers in raw you are welcome to do that it doesn't matter what matters is in 2023 AEW if everything continues on exactly as it is right I'm not even talking growth. If it continues exactly as it is right now, then they will sign a television deal in 2023 that is significantly higher. Perhaps double, perhaps more than they are getting right now because of the 18 to 49. And the same goes for WWE. Raw could fall to 900,000 viewers. And if they are still regularly 1, 2, and 3, they will sign a better television deal the next time negotiations come along. Why? Because they remain strong compared to the rest of television in 18 to 49. So, yes, I go on Twitter and I had some fun yesterday. I do love needling the stand-up for WWE, folks. No. But it doesn't matter. Chill out and, like, go outside or something. It's it's a number, the number is good for WWE, the number is good for AEW, yes, WWE hit an all-time low, but because of their demo numbers, they're still very, very high, and they are going to do very well the next time they need to negotiate a television deal.
4: Look at you saving both sides there, you have all that needling you did yesterday, all those wounds you opened up, poured a little bit of salt in, now you're going to clean them out like that and let the WWE people know pat them on the head say everything's going to be okay look at you
2: but everything is going to be okay but i also like pushing buttons because there's a (laughs) lot of people out there who just don't get it and i entertain myself at their expense Uh. what they could do is they could pay attention and then instead of writing dumb stuff on their twitter they could go outside or go to the grocery store or go to pier one imports and get a whatever some beads there's a lot of stuff that you could do on an average day, everybody, instead of sitting around on Twitter and doing st- saying stupid stuff. Along you know, I gotta places, say, one of the things to get
4: beads, I wouldn't have thought
2: there. But. This is All just right. a general statement, okay?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, when people go, "Oh, there's so much tribalism nowadays." You know when they say that? Yeah. All right. Let me tell you something. In my educated opinion, there is, in fact, no more tribalism today than there was a decade ago, and 20 years ago, and 50 years ago, and a million years ago. The difference is, there is now a medium called social media that allows everybody and their dog, and yes, I've seen social media accounts for people's animals, now everybody and their dog can go on social media and act like an idiot. And what we have is a very obvious, the, the tribalism today is now more obvious than it was before social media, but it's exact same as it's always been. Oh, you think you go back to, uh, uh, you know, some, some presidential election from 100 years ago and you think it was like, oh, well, one side got 90% of the vote and the other side got 10. No. It is exactly the same as it has always been. It is exactly the same as it was in the 90s. But the difference is, in the 90s, you didn't have everybody with Twitter at their fingertips and their Insta and all of their other goofy social media accounts (laughs) (laughs) typing a bunch of really stupid stuff and revealing to the world how dumb you are or whatever, I shouldn't say dumb, but But your difference of opinion compared to somebody else's opinion, educated or not this is is not the the problem is not the education system the problem is not that people are dumber nowadays the problem is there is a way for you to express your intelligence or lack thereof to the world and so now people look at their Twitter like oh everyone's so dumb compared to the 90s oh really everyone's so dumb now compared to the 40s oh really everyone's so dumb now compared to the 1800s compared to uh, 1000 BC no my friend Everyone is exactly as smart and stupid as they've always been. Now we just hear about it because you've got your Twitter
4: open 24-7. And your Facebook. Everybody gets a chance to shine a light on their own ignorance or intelligence and gets a chance to express that to everybody. And the business is Why do you changed. think there were Salem witch trials? Because everyone was so smart? <laughs> Can you imagine like back in the day all we had to worry about was who was the best champion, Bruno or Bachwinkle or Harley Race? And can you imagine what those arguments would be nowadays with everybody on social media? Head to a break. Back in a moment, Observer Live.
0: Leaving with a big order on Tuesday. Tina's
3: floor manager retired, leaving her tortilla factory flat out. What
0: do you mean she's on a silent retreat?
3: She must fill the role and all those orders.
0: She's production.
3: Indeed can help her hire great people fast.
5: I need Indeed.
3: Indeed, you do. Schedule virtual interviews and talk to candidates right from your employer dashboard. Visit Indeed.com/slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
5: Come on.
0: The double play! It's
5: baseball season, and you're ready to go all out. So you ordered the essentials to make game day a success. Like a jersey, a power recliner, and a bigger screen. And you used your Bank of America customized cash rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping. Rewards that you put toward an essential piece of the celebration. An air horn. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2021, Bank of America Corporation.
1: You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike Sempervivi on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Well, my
2: intelligent listeners and friends, tomorrow is Crown Jewel. I know you'll all be up at, at noon Noon Eastern, 9 Pacific to watch this show from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia with a whole bunch of matches on this show. There's no way this show's over in three hours. We have Roman Reigns versus... I mean, the video packages alone will be an hour. There's uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 matches. Uh, Nine on the main show. Pre-show match is the Usos versus Shelton and Cedric Alexander in a non-title match. I will surely be up at 8 a.m. for that non-title match. We have the finals of the Queen's Crown Tournament, Zelina Vega and Drop. We've got the King of the Ring Tournament Finals, Finn Balor and Xavier Woods. Mansour faces Mustafa Ali. RK-Bro defend the Raw Tag Titles against AJ and Omos. Edge faces Seth Rollins in a Hell in a Cell match. Goldberg faces Lashley in a no-holds-barred match. Biggie versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE title, Becky, Bianca, and Sasha triple thread match for the SmackDown women's title, and uh, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. So, you know, I don't think it matters who wins the Queens Crown tournament. I think that with uh, with Zelina putting the whole crown and cape and everything else on on Monday, I presume Dewdrop is winning. But at the end of the day, it It doesn't matter, and they could change your mind tomorrow. Finn Balor and Xavier Woods. I mean, if it's my company, which it's clearly not, uh, Xavier Woods wins and becomes King of the Ring, and his seven-year dream comes true. It's WWE, so Finn Balor should probably squash his dream and turn heel and get heat. Mansoor and Ali. I mean, obviously, Mansoor should win. I presume he's going to win. But as I noted yesterday, the problem with this company is, I don't put it past them to have Ali beat him in his hometown because everyone loses in their hometown. Or if it's their birthday, that's the other one. I know, last week, Rick Shayna's birthday, they actually put him on television and then defeated him. RK Bro and AJ and Omos. I don't think it matters. I don't know what they're going to do here. I have no idea. They could put the belts back on AJ and Omos. Randy could turn on Riddle. You know it's going to happen eventually. RK Bro could retain. I actually have no earthly idea. Edge and Seth Rollins, hell in a cell. I presume Edge wins because Seth Rollins tried to destroy his neck and invaded his house. And It's time to end this one, and this is a good way to end it. Goldberg and Lashley. It's, it's very clear, Goldberg, he's not going to kill the guy, but he's going to defeat him. Probably quickly. Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley. Big E versus Drew McIntyre. I presume Big E wins. Drew McIntyre goes to SmackDown. Ultimately, he will be feuding for a while with Roman Reigns. And then there's the women's match, which the two most intriguing matches to me are the women's match and the universal title match. Because Becky, Bianca, and Sasha, it's for the SmackDown women's title. The belts are on the wrong brands right now. I would presume that they got to do something if they don't want to do the stupid handoff, but maybe they're going to do the handoff. I figure that the SmackDown title will end up on a SmackDown wrestler in this match, and then at Survivor Series, where they do brand versus brand, maybe they'll do another multi-person match, and a Raw person can win the Raw title in that match. So we don't have to do the switch. This would require the Raw title to be on SmackDown for a period of time here. And then we've got Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and I don't know who Paul Heyman is leaving with. There's a lot of ways to do this match. It does not look like we're going to get a match with The Rock here this year or uh, or at WrestleMania. So, I mean, you could do the deal where uh, Roman Reigns gets screwed by Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar end up together. And uh, ultimately, down the road, you do the switcheroo again. Or maybe it goes the other way. I mean, Lesnar is is in. He has signed a deal. He will be doing X number of matches. He's not sitting on his farm. I know they don't want to necessarily beat Roman Reigns, but if you're not going to have The Rock this year, who else is there for Roman Reigns? I mean, it could be Brock wins the title. You've got a babyface Brock Lesnar as champion. And eventually something gets set up where Paul turns on Lesnar and goes back with Roman Reigns, and then Lesnar goes back home to the farm. I don't know what they're going to do but I am intrigued by the match and the potential finishes for that match. Mike, your thoughts.
4: You know, I I don't know, be just because of the fact that there is nobody else for Roman Reigns and really there's nobody else for Brock Lesnar. I mean, who is there? You know, any of the shine that you were going to have on Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar, you know, that's gone now. You know, know, and yes, it's not like Bobby Lashley is dead or anything with with it, you know, if he loses to Goldberg, but look where he's at right now. Even though they gave him back Shelton and and Cedric, without MVP there, he's missing a big piece to that puzzle that they like so much. So even though he's still a badass, I mean, there's to me, you're looking at Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns probably at WrestleMania. So. I don't know how you are how you get out of this. I don't know. Can you go to a non-Finish? Is that possible Could, with the bloodline out there, with all of that other stuff? I don't know. But if Brock Lesnar walks out of Saudi Arabia with the Universal Championship and Paul Heyman, I won't be very, very surprised. Uh, as far as the, the Women's SmackDown Championship, I think that ends up on Sasha Banks. It just makes the most sense to do that. AJ and almost winning the belts in Saudi Arabia, too, I think makes sense because you have Randy Orton-Riddle, again, trying to retool themselves, or, you know, maybe, because I don't think you need to turn Randy Orton yet. Everybody knows it's coming, but I think people are playing along with this, and it's it's a good position. Riddle's an idiot, you know, how he comes across, but when he's in there in the ring, I think it's great, and all of those guys, look, Omos is only going to get so far, in my opinion, so... The more you can keep A.J. Styles, Orton, and Riddle around him uh, is probably going to be for the best. So I can absolutely see a title change there. I think Goldberg's getting the victory. I think Big E is coming out with the championship. Finn Balor and Xavier Woods, you know, the one scenario you left out of there is Kofi Kingston turning on Xavier Woods and then leaving with Finn Balor and the crown because that would be something WWE would do too. I just don't think they're going to do it here. Uh, Xavier gets the win. I... I don't know how hopefully it's just a kick ass match because I think people forget sometimes how good Xavier Woods can be in the ring because he has been such a character in w w e but you know you ever you see it every once in a while when he's put into a single's position how good he is and how long he's been around for Dewdrop and Zelina Vega I just there's a part of me that thinks if Dewdrop is gonna win, she's gonna get attacked by somebody or something like that i just I cannot believe that they're doing this match between those two in Saudi Arabia, in the it writes finals itself. of this tournament, it's, it's,
2: it's baffling to me. Dewdrop either wins and gets attacked by Eva Marie, or Eva Marie costs Dewdrop the match, and Zelina Vega becomes the queen.
4: Brian, how about Aaliyah? Is she technically still not on the roster? They Dude, seem to I draft her high, and they have her in the mix. Like, I mean, to me, it's like, and I'm not saying I would want that, but it's like, I know it's not going to be Io Shirai or somebody like that, so it's like, I guess... You could get some, something out of her, maybe jumpstart her with something with Dewdrop. I don't know. Edge and Seth Rollins, I don't think this is going to be at the end, even though this is hell Oh, self. God.
2: Somebody here suggested that, uh, Dewdrop could suffer some sort of injury and Eva Marie replaces her and becomes the queen. I do not put that past them.
4: I don't, and we'll just do what they always do, attack somebody before the match. They get knocked out, and that person just takes their place. It happens all of the time. Edge against Seth. In fact, that's how Edge beat Kofi Kingston to get into the the, the Hell in the Cell that one time or whatever it was, Elimination Chamber. But Edge and Seth Rollins, I don't know if this is going to be it. Part of me hopes it is. Uh, the, The work has been great. I love that. Some of the nonsense, the storylines go, it is what it is. Edge gets the victory there, and then obviously Mansoor and Mustafa Ali, uh, the main event for many of the people there. Mansoor gets the victory, uh, and I'm just, you know, it's too bad because once they get back, Mustafa Ali's never going anywhere. Mansoor, they'll break out every once in a while when they go to Saudi Arabia, but you see a guy who, if you can stick him with somebody with some experience, get him comfortable on the microphone. You know, he's got a look, he's got fire, he's in shape, he can go a little bit. You know, he's obviously an athlete. You know, the thing that just hurts him is just getting comfortable and getting more experience. And I don't have any faith that they're going to to help him along there until the time for the next Saudi show, which I think is a big waste. So, you know, hopefully the match is good because it's going to be the high point of both of their years.
2: Our our poor friend Eddie was getting in the chat here because Eddie said this card looked good on paper and he was stomped down and... And some other people were like, well, Brian, you sounded so bored when you ran down the card. Well, listen, there's two ways you got to look at WWE, okay? When I ran down the card, I was trying to tell you who I thought was going to win and why, okay? When you do that, you're dealing with WWE storytelling. So I don't care and I'm bored because the storytelling sucks. Stuff happens and you try to put it together into a video package and there's no rhyme or reason. But if we're looking at will the matches be good... Or will the matches be bad? Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar will be good. Becky, Bianca, and Sasha should be great. Drew and Big E will be very good. Goldberg and Lashley is probably going to be short and explosive, so it will be fine. RK, bro, and AJ and Omos, as long as Omos is largely out of there, I mean, the match will be very good. Mansoor and Ali, if it's in Saudi Arabia, and they actually let him work for six minutes, that's going to be a really good match. Yeah. Finn Balor and Xavier Woods is going to be way better than I think people are expecting. Zelina and Dewdrop is going to be like two minutes. And then the only real question to me, believe it or not, is Edge and Seth Rollins, and I will tell you why. They're doing a Hell in a Cell match. They have two choices. They can go 16 minutes, or they can go 28 minutes. Okay? If they go 16 minutes, this match is going to be awesome. If they do the match where they go 28 minutes, I hereby predict that people are not going to like the match and they're going to be bored and they're going to think it's way too long, okay? Whoa. We have seen this before when 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 Edge and and uh Randy Orton did that uh false count anywhere match at WrestleMania that went like 42 minutes. Dude No one liked that match, okay? I shouldn't say no one, but it was roundly panned. When they did the, quote, greatest wrestling match of all time, dude, that match was awesome because it didn't go 42 minutes. It went like 18 or 20 or whatever. Sometimes a match needs to go as long as it needs to go, and I see no reason that Edge and Seth Rollins needs to go more than 16 to 18 minutes. Luckily, there's nine matches on the show, So I'm leaning towards us getting 16 minutes, which I think would be a very, very good match.
4: And another era didn't even have to do that, considering what has all taken place here and what we're supposed to, quote-unquote, believe about Seth showing up where Edge's house, you know, where he breaks bread with his family. I love these lines. It would never come from a real human being. But anyway... Ed should go in there, want to kill this bastard? like it shouldn't even go sixteen minutes, but you're exactly right, obviously, you know they're going to have spots and things like that. It's not just going to be a massacre with him trying to shove Seth through the cage because he went after his family. but to me, you got if you're gonna to build towards hell in a cell, you're gonna do all this other stupid nonsense like. And you, every time they start with a lockup after a blood feud, it gets called out and it looks completely ridiculous and everybody feels bad about it and they should. It's another situation where just don't do that. Edge comes in there. They beat the hell out of each other. You do everything you can to get away with. what If you want blood because you can do it because you're in Saudi Arabia, you do all that sort of stuff. You make it fast. You make it violent. You're out of there in under 15 minutes. Don't delay the inevitable and don't delay the you know any of that nonsense. Come on. It, it's a hell in a cell for a reason. You've done all this other stuff. Make it count. We're going to do a break, everybody, and when we come back, I
2: guess, uh, you know what I'm going to do? When we come back from this break, if you do not want to know, for some reason, you don't know what's going on with the G1, even though the shows have all taken place and we've got the finals announced, I think everybody knows what it is. Yes. If you don't know and, wa- and don't want to know, uh. turn the show off now. We'll talk about it when we come back from the break. Wrestling Observer Live.
0: Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
5: If you or a loved one is suffering from a physical or emotional condition that has left you unable to work, then listen carefully. Take this number down, 800-593-7491. That's 800-593-7491. Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491. Call now.
0: Here's an important COVID-19 school system update for your local area. that's
1: 800-693-8290. You are listening to Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez and Mike semper on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. All righty, you've been warned.
2: The G1 Climax 31 finals are set. Following today's B-block finale, Okada defeated Jeff Cobb with a Rainmaker, 22-35, to advance to Thursday's G1 Finals. He will face A-Block winner Kota Ibushi in a match at Wrestle Kingdom 14 Night 1's main event. For Okada, this marks his third appearance in a G1 Final, his first since 2014. Ibushi will be appearing in his fourth Finals and his fourth in a row. Remember a few years ago, uh, several years ago, Ibushi forever had never signed anywhere. He was just like a freelancer. And then one day, he he actually finally signed with New Japan. And the story was, we're going all the way with his brother. Well, they've gone all the way with his brother. So the uh, finals, Ibushi with 14 points. Shingo with 13 points. He, of course, the IWGP champion. Kento with 12. Zack Sabre Jr. with 12. B-Block Okada... With 16, Jeff Cobb with 16, although he was beaten, so he's eliminated. Evil with 14, Tanahashi with 8. And so the finals will be Okada versus Ibushi. And a full card to be announced probably uh, very, very soon, I would guess. So any final thoughts before we go, Mike?
4: They have gone all the way with him, but they haven't gone as far as they could have because of situations and circumstances, so there's still a long way to go with Kodo I think he gets the victory over Okada, although Zack Sabre Jr., Jeff Cobb, and Okada all going to have claims for an IWGP Championship match as we get towards one power.
2: We're out of time, everybody. I want to thank you all for listening here today. We'll be back later on tonight. Wrestling Observer Radio with Dave Meltzer back tomorrow talking Crown Jewel. That's going to be a party here on Wrestling Observer Live. I want to thank Mike, as always, callers and listeners, everybody in the studio, all of our Twitch homies, twitch.tv slash F4W video. We'll talk to you next time. Wrestling Observer Live.